Pubcast. No one will have the exact same birth chart as you for 25,000 years. I think that's what it takes for the to be like exactly the same again. So add that variable in there, but then add another person's chart to your, you know what I'm saying? It'll, there will never be another love story like yours. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your host, Gina, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. My name is Gina Cavalier, and I am the host of the Liberated Healer podcast. And today we have a lovely lady on, Desiree Robbie Antilla. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. You have a book coming out, Sun Signs in Love. And don't we all love that? Yes, yes. It's coming out very soon. November 8th is the release date. So yeah, just like a month spec- away. And you specialize in sun signs and astrological relationships, uh, obviously. And you've been studying astrology for several decades. So why don't you get into how you got into astrology and a little bit about your journey and how you got to this lovely book? (laughs) Yeah, so I've always loved astrology and been attracted to it uh, since a very young age. This is going to age me, but... (laughs) Back in the days of dial-up internet, I would literally sit there and wait and wait and then finally get connected. And like the first thing I would always see were the horoscopes on Yahoo. And I would click into that and it always resonated. And that was kind of, you know, my gateway uh, into astrology. And so I have forever been fascinated by it and then became a student of it. And mostly through observation, I think that's one of the best ways to learn. Uh, And then obviously to a lot of reading. But how I specifically got into more of the synastry and relationship piece of astrology was in my 20s when my friends and I were all dating. And so one of the first things everyone would always ask me knowing that I was into astrology was, hey, Desiree, I just started dating this Capricorn. What's that like <laughs> with my sign? And I would be like, okay, let's, let's, you know, sit down and dish this out. And finally, I just had a friend say, you know, you should really start a blog. This is when my like, blogs were really cool. Yeah. Like 12 years ago. <laughs> and so I did, I started a blog on like blogspot.com. I don't know if you know what that is, but yeah, which has now turned into my own website, but I have an accumulation of articles on my site specifically about each pairing. And, you know, finally I had another friend say, this would be a great book now that you've written all of them. And I was like, you think so? And, and she was like, yeah, you should submit this to some publishers. And I did, and I got picked up and here we are. And definitely by Llewellyn Publications, one of my favorite. They're wonderful and they're great partners and they put out great content. They don't put out stuff that they don't think is speaking, you know, something that's going to connect with people. So, you, you know, it's good. It got to be good with that. And then what about your mentorship or was it really, is was it really hard to kind of digest the information? I get asked a lot about, you must be really good at math to know astrology because everybody says that. I'm sure you've heard that a bunch of times. So what do you think, what's your answer to that? I I think 
what you need to be good at to love astrology it's just honestly having a passion for it I don't know if you necessarily need to be good at math but there's so many different avenues you can take like just recently Hellenistic astrology has got really popular which is more of like the study of you know the the old texts and things like that and the old scrolls and you know uh, people have been really into more of those type, And then there's also relationship astrology and there's horary astrology. I mean, there's like a million different avenues you can take. You don't always necessarily need to be doing chart readings to love astrology because there's transits and all that other stuff. So I think that whatever you are naturally drawn to and whatever calls to you is what you should do. And I, I've noticed that a lot of these books are especially the earlier versions are very rare and hard to find. And if you see them in the bookstores, you know, grab those things up because, you know, a lot of them are worth some money that people don't even know about. I mean, it's just really a, a, it's so interesting to see how they kind of worded things back in the day too. You know, when you look at an old astrology book, it just kind of makes you just feel, I think like deeper connected as a human through the, you know, that, that they, the earlier from humanity was so into, into this yeah. and that now it's not taboo. Now it's coming out in the forefront. And I mean, they, they planted their crops to this. Like, this is like really amazing stuff. So what about a little bit about your mentorship, your mentors and the journey a little bit? Did you have a lot of support from your friends and family or did you have to yeah, actually, not really from my family at a young age. I grew up in a pretty uh, religious household into which any of these topics were considered taboo, which um, is, yeah. if you think about it, it's really silly because it's a form of divination, which, you know, I mean, if people feel close to their God in different ways. And I feel actually, I use astrology and I feel close to the divine by studying it because I do think it's a system that is created by the divine. So no, not so much from my family, but I certainly did find friends and I didn't really have one specific mentor that is alive, but I do have one that is no longer on planet she is at her body she has got you know passed away but still feel like she's alive because I read about her all the time and that's Linda Goodman I actually have I have all of her books but the very first and you can see it's like really torn up because oh, I've read beautiful. it so many times yeah yeah and I actually have the picture behind me as kind of just like oh, a, of yeah. her the cover of her book I actually went to this museum but you can see like I have so many notes yeah. in here and this was really like my first this was really like my first astro like love book that I got into and my book is really a homage to this brick you know, Linda wrote this back, I believe it was in the 60s or 70s. And ever since then, there has desperately been the universe has just needed another version of this because it is a little outdated. And it does use gender and, and things yeah. like that. So which my book does not because I don't find that necessary. And so I just think that, you know, my book is a very modern version of Linda Goodman's love signs. And I don't know, I, I feel like she uh-huh. just kind of speaks to me. I, I really do too. I mean, I, I kind of 
felt some kind of shift of energy when you guys were, I feel like she was a part of your book and your writing, yeah. your journey. And so that's really kind of special. So let's start off with some real world information that I think people really have some confusion about. Can you explain, let's, let's talk about the modalities first, uh, cardinal fix immutable, no matter what I, every, everybody I know that, for the most part, unless they do this, they get those all mixed up and they have no idea what they mean. Can you explain them a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a huge, especially when you're looking at compatibility or synastry in general, uh, modality is a huge way to understand how you are going to vibe with someone, specifically how you're going to communicate with them. And communication, as we know, is a huge piece of the relationship puzzle. I've been married for five and a half years and I'm still learning how to communicate with my, my husband. So, you know, there are three different types of modalities. There are cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Okay. And then, so each of the elements has one of those. So for example, as we know, there's four elements. So I'll just use the fire signs, for example. So for the fire signs, Aries has the cardinal. And then Leo is the fixed. And then after that, you have, so Sagittarius is mutable, right? And so those, those are all the fire signs and those are the three modalities. So each element has one of those three modalities, if that makes sense. Okay. So Cardinal... Okay, so every sign, there's 12 signs, and every sign will fit into one of these three things, Mm -hmm. cardinal, fixed, or mutable. And so you would use, for example, what is Aquarius? It's fixed, right? Yeah, yeah. So how you describe each of those really is like cardinal uh, cardinal signs are really your self-starters. They're assertive. They're your natural-born leaders. So when you're conversing or interacting with a cardinal sign, they usually kind of just take the lead, yeah. uh, which is a great thing. We need, we need people like that. But then you have, then you have your fixed signs and, oh, I guess I should go through all the cardinal signs. So there mm-hmm. are four. So you have, you have Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. So those are your four cardinal and you'll notice all of them are the four elements Okay. Um, and then, so for fixed signs, they are, they're better at containing their energy. Whereas like cardinal signs are very like exertive with their energy, right? So they're, they're a force where more our fixed signs like to kind of contain They're a little bit more, I'm not saying all of them are introverted because if you have like a big rising sign, you can be very extroverted, but I think when it comes to energy in general or communicating, they're a little more methodical or thoughtful in the way that they speak. And they don't necessarily need to be the leader, but they also have no desire to follow. They're just do want to do their own thing. They're the independent. Leo, Aquarius, and what? Yeah. So the fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Oh, I didn't know Scorpio was fixed too. Okay. And then which one are the mutable ones? Yes. So then mutable is the last one and mutable are the chatty Cathy's of the Zodiac. They are the talkers. They are the most variable, the most flexible. 
they can talk to anybody and they're just communication mavericks, mostly because two of those signs are ruled by Mercury, which is the planet of communication. So the mutables are, you have Gemini, you have Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. So those are your four mutable signs. I wonder how they broke that out. Did you go all the way to figure out, you know, where fixed and cardinal and mutable, like where this kind of broke out into? Yeah, it's actually connected to nature, which is kind of interesting. So if you connect it to a lot of astrology is actually connected to nature. So cardinal signs are always our equinoxes and our solstices. So, right. So if you think about like Aries, for example, Aries starts out our spring. So Aries is the spring equinox. Tomorrow is actually our fall equinox when Libra, which is also cardinal, think about that. So they start the seasons. They're the starters. And so that's their modality. And then you have fixed signs, which are all in the very center of their season, essentially, right? That month, that's their season. So all of them are like the, the, the core or the center of their season, and then you, you have the mutable sign. So for example, we're just in Virgo right now. And Virgo is, yes, it's it's technically summer, but it, it changes the season, right? So everything starts to feel a little different. That's why I feel like that's, that's what makes them mut- so mutable is they can kind of touch between two sides. They're the ones that change. They're the ones that vary and they create this flexibility to move into a new season. You can use this not only in relationships, but you can also use it to plan your year. So I've even written some articles about that where you you use these different times and these modalities to do things in your life. So during the cardinal seasons, you want to start things and then work hard during your fixed and then communicate and get together with friends and, and share things during your mutable time. So. Wow, that's really, all that's really interesting. And so you're seeing that also connects to the uh, fire, earth, air, and water as well? How, to, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, so, well, there's one of each, right? So like I was explaining in, so for, we'll just use cardinal again, because they're the first. So in, there's, in cardinal, there's all four, all four of those that I listed are all one of each of the elements. Okay. So you only have, one fire cardinal sign and that's Aries. And then you only have one earth cardinal sign. Oh, wow. Capricorn. There's only one. So that's what makes them unique is that blend between the element and the modality. And that's really how you understand that sign and the way that they operate between their elements. And then they're also their modality. That's super cool. I honestly yeah. never heard that. So it's the three different sections and each section has each element. Okay. Yes. That's just something I never knew. That's super cool. Yeah. That is really neat. Okay. So how do you, when somebody comes to you and they, you give them the birth chart of the two love, you know, I'm in love and I want to see what, how our relationship's going to go or what we need to learn about each other. So we could talk a little bit more about the love compatibility. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually two different ways you can look at compatibility, two different charts, so to say. So there is a composite chart and then there's a synastry chart. So a composite chart takes the midpoint between two planets. So for example, 
if you are, if you have an Aries sun and your partner has a Cancer sun, what the composite chart will do is take the midpoint between those two and then it casts a, a, a birth chart for your relationship. So oh, wow. it, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So there's, so when you look at it, it's just one set or like one, one, it's not a natal chart. It's a, it's a composite chart. It just, but there's only one set of planets. Whereas a synastry chart takes your chart and then your partner's chart and it overlaps them. So you'll see like an outer wheel and an inner wheel, and you'll have two sets of planets and then what happens is, is you actually look at the angles or what you would call aspects between each of those. And that gives the, the astrologer an overall vibe or energy that they can see just from the different aspects. So there are seven major aspects that I look at when I'm looking at sinistry. Some people use minor aspects, but I like to use the major ones. Well, there's five major and then there's two that I slip in there from time to time. But, you know, it just depends on the astrologer and, and how they do the reading. But um, yeah, but there are a set of major aspects that are stronger. You'll feel those much more stronger than the minor aspects. So, Okay. Is there any way you can kind of break down the houses as well a little bit? So I know that there's 12, but I feel like that's also a little bit of confusion with the houses. Yeah. So the houses are, are important, you know, primarily when I'm doing synastry readings, I, I look more at aspects than houses because okay. sometimes people do not have birth time. So if you don't have your birth time for both people, you can't look at houses. So okay. you have to have your birth time to look at what house things are falling in. But yeah, I mean, houses are, of course, a huge important piece. But yeah, so there are 12 houses. And I, how I describe houses in general is it's almost like a filter. Like you think of like your rising sign, it's like your filter. It's really, or if like another, another analogy I, I heard recently, which made me laugh and is true, like think of an actor, like, so the planet is the actor and the house that it's in is the costume that they're wearing. So it's not doing the talking, but it definitely provides a lens in which it's experienced through. So, and when things are transiting certain houses, it, it does give that a theme. It gives something like a theme. So for example, if you have a sinistry chart and your partner's sun, moon, Venus, Mars, or any of their personal planets land in your seventh house, that's the house of partnership, right? So that's a good omen. That's like something that like you would want to see. And then, you know, or if I see fourth or fifth house, so fourth house is all about like home and fifth house is children, passion, fifth house is, you know, also connected to sex. I mean, that's so that's something that you want to see. If I see a couple that has like a lot in their eighth house, that's like intimacy, shared resources. So that could be something if I see something in the 10th house, maybe they uh, met at work or they, you know, work together career wise, I mean, so yeah, so each of the houses for sure has like a theme to it. What what is the 12th house again? Yeah, so the 12th house is all about endings. 
spirituality. So if like you think about it as like almost like a karmic wheel, when you, your first house is like you coming into your body, like your so when your soul comes into your body when you're born. So right before then is kind of like this, and it's in Pisces, Pisces rules the twelfth house. You think of Pisces themes like spirituality endings. It can sometimes allude to being alone or a, a period of of loneliness or solitary, like like solitude. So it's you know almost like the place between life and death. It's like this really interesting house. Oh, I didn't under- realize that the first one was the beginning and the 12th was the end as in yeah. your kind of soul journey. Yes. Yeah, it is. So like Aries is the baby, but then the reason it's like that is because when you breathe your first breath of life, that's so the rising that the, that exact degree is where your rising is because that's the time you were born. So that's where, mm. you know, and that's why there's day and night charts and things like that. Right. So so the sun might be in a different place, but your rising sign is, is it marks that second that the, you took your first breath, which is why it's so important to know your exact birth time, because it really does change your whole chart if, if you don't know the exact time. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's yeah, for sure. You, you kind of need to know that because it changes really fast. Even if you're a couple yeah. hours off, mm-hmm. I notice that when I've done little ones. Okay. So fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about some love options and signs and what, what, what do you have to say? Yeah. About what specifically about like best matches or just I don't like know. compatibility in general. What, if, what, what else can we find in here? <laughs> yeah. So, well, what I love about the book in general is you, someone who is brand new to astrology, who just knows very little can dive into it, right? Because there's a lot of information in there that, you know, is for beginners. But then if like, let's say you already know you and your partner's big three, you know, your sun, moon rising, we'll get into your Venus signs. Like what, what's you and your partner's Venus signs. And then like, let's say you and your partner's Venus signs are Leo and Sag, go read the Leo and Sag section. And like, cause right. Venus is all about love and how you love your partner, your relationship. So you may get something out of that section because you and your partner have those Venus signs. And then I do in the book, of course, go through each of the planets and like what those planets mean in a relationship or synastry chart. So I, I dive into that as well, because the planets have a lot to do with showing you about your self and how you, what kind of relationship you're looking for. Yeah, I like it because you can look at you 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 can look at it through the eyes of them and then you can look at it through the eyes of you yes. and then you can also look at it through now you're saying Venus as well which is so it's not like you just have one section of the book that is going to pertain to you. So I think that's really cool. And I'm just going to give people an example of some of the things that you list out. We're going to just go with Aries because it's the first one but Okay. The element is fire. The modality is cardinal, which is what we talked about earlier. The polarity, what does that mean a little bit, polarity? Yeah, so there's only two polarities. So you think of like the yin and yang. So yin energy is dark. It is feminine. It is what they consider negative, not negative in like 
a bad way, but like if you are looking at a black and white photo, the negative part of the photo, the dark part of the photo, is just a little bit more of a contained energy, a more internalized energy. Uh, all t- this is like just quick so you know yeah. so all of the water and earth signs are yin energy where all of the fire and air signs are yang energy so yang energy is bright more extroverted yeah. masculine energy type okay of thing. so Aries is a yang positive and masculine mm-hmm. that's a really great description anyway that really that I, I really started to understand that so you have the hue is red for Aries. Yeah. So what, where do you get the colors? Where does that come in? Yeah. So primarily, I wish I could explain that, but yeah. <laughs> when you think of Aries, you think of like the connotations. So they're behind each color, colors make you feel things. So when you look at red, you think passion, you think fire, you think red lipstick or strawberries or cayenne a cayenne pepper and like when I experience an Aries that those are all things that I think of it was like things that I see red like a stop sign almost yeah like bold they're not like some mellow purple or something <laughs> no no you're right and so when I you know, and, and just from all of my years of observation, it's just also, I think that there's these colors are in, if you have a strong Aries energy about you, you can find that color in your aura too. So yeah. yeah. And you go into deity, which is Eris, God of war. So that's right. really cool. You have the glimp, glyph, which is, you know, the signs, you know, the water signs or whichever. Then you also go into flowers. So for Aries is uh, honeysuckle, poppies, and tulip. Mm-hmm. And then how did you kind of decide which flowers? Was it also just an energy thing that you picked? Or? No, actually, it's more of the season that they grow. So I'm a gardener. I'm a huge gardener. And so oh. I love connecting nature to astrology because before the weather channel, like you were saying earlier, you know, hundreds of years ago or not even that many years ago, we use the moon cycles to plant. I mean, I still use the moon cycle to plant. I only plant <laughs> on a new moon. And so I, you know, I, I plant mostly vegetables, but flowers too. And so these flowers are connected to the times of the year that they are most abundant, usually most of the time. Oh, wow. And then you have the tree, which for Aries is Hawthorne mm-hmm. and then Jewel, which is diamond. They get the diamonds. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the hardest. It's one of the hardest substances. Of course they do. Of course. And then crystals as bloodstone and pyrite. Yeah, I'm super into crystals. I don't, you can't see, but I have like a lot of them. I have a really good friend that owns a crystal shop and, you know, crystals just have different energies. They also, you know, lay claim to do different things. And uh, so I know quite a bit about them. So when I was writing the book, I was like, well, if someone ends up in a crystal shop, these are great gifts too. So like if you have an Aries friend and it's their birthday, get them some pyrite. Trust me, they'll love it. Or bloodstone or, you know, any of carnelian is another good one. So so if you are kind of, that's your partner and that's, and you want to work on the communication between that partner yeah. for an Aries, would you, would you suggest just getting some pyrite and being like, oh, here's a little present for you, but it will work, <laughs> help work on the energy maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just nice, like, it's a nice section to look over for gift giving for your partner or even a friend, what kind of colors or, you know, and then you have, or flowers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, sorry, you have fragrance for uh, Aries is geranium, which mm-hmm. I find very interesting. Body part is the head, face, except the nose and the brain. Right. Because the nose belongs to Scorpio. <gasps> the nose belongs to Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. That's why whenever you meet a Scorpio, usually they have like either like a little, I don't know, there's a name for it, but like a bump in their nose or something where their nose is noticeable. It's really fascinating. I am not, I I know enough to be dangerous, but there is like a whole subsection of medical astrology. And so, yep, each body part belongs to a certain part of the Zodiac and, and there's like sympathetic parts. So for example, like your throat and your, your sacral region are connected. And it's so funny because when you think so throat is ruled by Taurus Sacral region is, is, uh, region is ruled by Scorpio and they're opposing. So they're opposites. So any of the, so it's called a sympathetic part, which is actually like a medical thing. And so it's really, it's really cool. And when you, it's like a whole nother thing you could probably find, I know a few medical astrologers, if you're oh, ever yeah. looking for an interview. So. Definitely. We need to hear yeah. about that. Cause that's, yeah. that, there you go. Uh, that's super fascinating. You have also animals, which is sheep and ram, of course, for the Aries food, onions, leek, hop, shallots, cayenne pepper, capers, mustard, and strong tasting foods such as curries, which mm-hmm. I can agree that I know some Aries and that is exactly, especially mustard. I don't know. They all love the mustard. And romantic getaways is France, England, and Germany. So, and then you go into the ruling planet and for Aries is Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you go into the mythology, the positive qualities and the negative forms, the lessons of love how you love an Aries, how to spot an Aries. And this will be for all the other 12 as well, but I'm just kind of giving them some context of what's yeah. down in your book. How to lose an Aries. <laughs> well, yep. Stop giving him love, probably. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> how to bed an Aries. And then it goes into the compatibility, which is a lot of fun, of course. Yeah. So, and then that's where your aspects get a little bit more specific. So for example, with two Aries, the aspect would be conjunct. Yes, that's right. And then you go fire and fire, cardinal and cardinal. So now it's starting to understand how all these things kind of work together. Right. How they connect in and how they make your relationship unique. Right. So I just read something the other day. I think it was that, like, don't quote me because I, I... I'm not sure if this is exactly right, but I believe that no one will have the exact same birth chart as you for 25,000 years. I think that's what it takes for the, to be like exactly the same again. So add that variable in there, but then add another person's chart to your, you know what I'm saying? It'll, there will never be another love story like yours. So just understanding the unique vibration between two people with all of these different aspects and not only just your sun sign, but your moon and your rising and your Venus and your Mars and then all your teacher planets. And it's just like, I try to show in my book how unique your relationship is. And like one of my biggest pet peeves or something that really gets me heated is when I see online that a certain sign doesn't get along with another one or they shouldn't date each other. It's so crazy. Like I'm just... 
Like, please don't, if you ever see that, skip through onto the next because it's nonsense. There's no such thing as a bad match in astrology. I promise. I agree. You know, and also that person's in your life for a reason. There's a journey, you know, and the stars are, they brought you together for a reason, whether it's a season, a reason, or a lifetime, you know, enjoy it. And when you, it's, it's almost like just, you know, stereotyping people across the board, like, oh, I don't like that kind of person or whatever, you know, it's just right. not, you know, absolutely. It's, that's where, you know, is black and white thinking is not good, you know, just like, right. yeah, you know, but right. you, you can't appreciate, maybe you, if you keep running into Scorpios, like you said, like all the time, maybe you need to work on your energy with Scorpios, you know, yeah. there's something there that you can kind of, you know, work on. And it, the way they, to, you do it is by working with them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And understanding, you know, their energy and just understanding them as a person. And, and that is my hope for my book is that when you read it, that you just find some compassion or maybe some understanding, a new understanding for your partner that maybe you didn't have before. You know, for example, like if you're with a Scorpio and they're just being very reserved with you or maybe not divulging as much as you want, well, Scorpios are really secretive and for them, it's really hard for them to open up. So being patient with them. For Aquarius, Aquarius, one of their most important things before they get romantic with someone is that there's a strong base of friendship first. So if you have, you know, if you meet an Aquarius and you're like, oh, I just want to be romantic with them so bad. And like, I want things to head into the more romantic direction, like check in with your relationship. Like, do you have a good base of friendship with this person that you want to be romantic with? Because if not, they might not be interested. And there's little, you know, little pieces of each of the signs, you know, that, you know, they require certain things to be in a serious love relationship. And I, I try to cover that as much as possible in the book, just to give people some, some more insight. So, well, I have to say, I did look at it for my current uh, situation as well. And I felt find it, I found it very helpful because there was a good reminders in there about their, the personality and what they need. And it's not something that that personality finds easy to share. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like you got a little secret that you can go back and check in and say, well, maybe I need to look at this in a different way. Cause you know, it's, it's hard. You know, we just get into our head. We get so intense because we have like a certain, we, you know, we're trained to push our agenda, right? Like I want this done. Right. And then sitting back and looking at it in a whole different way is really hard for us to do as humans. You know, we just, it's really hard. So if you love someone and you want to be able to, have a, a quality relationship and you want to get to know them better. Stuff like this is really fun. So there's a book again, Sun Signs in Love, which anything that promotes love is just all about what I'm about and my friends are about and our listeners are about, you know, that's the base level of, you know, where we have to, we just have to get back to more love, you know? So we really appreciate, you know, you putting the efforts into, this is such an important part. It's, you know, you, in reading, when people ask for me for help or readings, there are only usually two areas that they care about love and career. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's a giant topic. It, um, it's never going to go away. Like this is, <laughs> not, you know, is a yeah, part love, of it. Love makes the world go around. So 
That's the world go around. And you're mm-hmm. helping people express their, you know, get in there and learn a little bit more about their, their, their future partners, their partners. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even had a couple, well, she gave it to her, um, her significant other and was like, read this. And they actually talked about the chapter together and I was cracking up and I was like, because it res- it resonated with them so much. And they had like a whole conversation based on like that, their little subsection. And, and she was like, well, this is what I'm trying to get across to you. And he was like, well, I'm trying to get this across to you. And it was like funny because they totally resonated with him. So I do hope it sparks some funny conversation or just throw it on your coffee table, see yeah. who reads it. And, you know, I hope that you can get a laugh out of it. I hope that you can get good insight out of it. Like that's kind of what it's for. So, <laughs> well, Desiree, thank you again so much. And the name of the book is Sun Signs and Love by Desiree Robbie Antilla coming out this November, 2022. And we're really, thank you, uh, everybody. Please like, share, and subscribe where you can. It really is helpful for the channel leave any comments or messages. We will link everything down below in the video so you can find it easily. Thank you, Llewellyn Publications and Kat. We love you as always. And sending you guys much love and all through the stars. Thanks, Desiree. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at liberatedhealerpodcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support.